Hello and welcome to Dig Me Up Laddie with Casey Martinstone and this week it's a solo cast, Digging Up Casey. I'm just going to have a quick chat with you this week about something that's been important in my life and next week we should be getting back to more guests, more interesting people to listen to. If you had tickets to Sexual History at Darwin Fringe, you should have been contacted by the box office now about your refund because the festival was cancelled. If you haven't heard anything on that, please do let me know and I'll follow that up for you. For everyone else, if you would like to... Uh, check out my Patreon and you can find links to that through caseymartinstone.com and also someone this week asked me if I had a tip jar or a PayPal or a Kofi or some way they could just swing a few bucks my way uh, rather than sign up to the monthly Patreon so I have done that in the footer of the website right down the bottom you can access PayPal or Patreon and yeah I would really appreciate anything you swing my way it does help Help me to create and, and keep things going here. But sit back and enjoy. Hope you like the solo cast. Please send me an email at kc at caseymartinstone.com and let me know what you think. Have a good week. Welcome to a very different episode of Dig Me Up Later this week. I am doing a solo cast. So you're with me, Casey Martin-Stone, and I'm talking about myself. And apparently comedians find this really easy, so maybe this will be an easy one. But I can't say I've ever done a solo podcast before, so we'll see if it just sounds like insane ramblings or whether it actually makes any sense out of it. So if you've listened to any of the previous episodes, you've probably got a bit of an idea of who I am and what my life looks like. I am Australia's only archaeologist comedian, which is sounds like such a wank to say. Uh, I'm... A woman, I'm 44, I'm queer, kind of, um, het passing, which has always been weird. And yeah, I do archaeology and I do comedy and sometimes I try to slam the two together. So today I thought I would just talk about one object or, or a couple of objects in my life and wonder what the archaeologists of the future might think of me if they found these objects. So I'm sitting in my lounge room on my couch and I have my favourite thing in the world which is a wall of books and I love books. They're always that idea of escapism and so on this shelf there are two lever arch folders. Do you remember in primary school we used to cover our school books and folders with sticky contact? They're like that. <laughs> they're, they're covered in silver holographic contact. Two lever arch folders and they're actually where I stored all of my sheet music as a teenager. I was a self-taught piano player. And I, well, when I was young, and I'd say eight years old, we had an organ at home. My dad was very musical, so um, and mum and dad both valued learning an instrument. So we had a lot of instruments at home, an organ. My brother had a drum kit. My dad had lots of guitars. There was a piano that sat in the corner. And, you know, there was always something 
to play with. I think there was a ukulele in the cupboard and a triangle and a tambourine and that sort of thing. Like there's always something to play with. And when I was eight, myself and my siblings had organ lessons. And these lessons were taught by Tom Gleason's mum. Those of you in Australia and some of you overseas would know Tom Gleason as a comedian. And so he and I lived on farms near two villages. Uh, everyone that wasn't related to me was related to him. And his mum used to play the organ at his village church. And my dad and my uncle played the guitar at my village church. And the priest would take turns which week he went to which church. So we all kind of, yeah, you know, hung out together. So I was eight and about year three and I learnt to play the organ and I got to the end of the year and I'd gotten to the end of what Mrs Gleeson was qualified to teach and, and mum didn't like the idea of driving us all the way into town, which was an hour away. So music lessons stopped then and I didn't play for ages. But then when I was 13, I just started fiddling with the piano you know it was there my brothers were both into music my older brother played the drums my younger brother played guitar and I wanted to have my space and time and sound and all of that so yeah I started teaching myself based on the basics I'd learned with Mrs Gleason on the organ using the left hand was a bit tricky but so very early on in the piece I had these two folders that I started to file away sheet music and I was very into what I now call misogynist metal, 1980s misogynist metal, aka hair metal, all those glamorous bands, you know, Motley Crue and Skid Row and Guns N' Roses and all those ones. And so my brother used to get guitar magazines and they'd have music both on the stave and tablature and so yeah I used to photocopy them on mum's printer photocopier thing and file them alphabetically in plastic sleeves in these folders so maybe in a thousand years time with all that plastic and sticky contact these folders of sheet music are more likely to last than the books that are beside them on the shelf but yeah I guess um, they're folders of memories for me they <laughs> they probably represent how pedantic I am about organisation. They're, they're all alphabetical. And <laughs> it's funny, actually, because my daughter Phoebe takes after me. And when she was in high school, she used to wear heavy metal band T-shirts every day with camouflage pants and boots and things. And she used to hang the T-shirts in her wardrobe alphabetically by band name. But when she had more than one shirt from each band, they were chronological by album release date. And so if I ever put her shirts back in her wardrobe, I'd get that wrong. And she's like, where's my electric wizard? <laughs> and so, yeah, I had to leave that for her, which is fine. So, yes, I like a sense of order, but I also like an equivalent amount of chaos, I think, in my life. And I think I need a certain amount of order to cope with the chaos in my life it gives me permission I think to to let go in some areas if I have control in others and so yeah these folders of music they're sitting on the shelf I'm not sure if I'm even going to pull them down for this chat because um, it'll be noisy on this this audio recording device but yeah it has heavy metal songs in there uh, I had a huge 
uh, leaning towards metal ballads. So I guess there's Dream On by Aerosmith and Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses, More Than Words by Extreme, all those sorts of things. I used to like experimental stuff too, so I used to play Joe Satriani and Ingwe Malmsteen on the piano. But there's also ragtimes and classical and, and all sorts of things just chucked in these folders. And yeah, I don't really know what it says about me at all, but it's... And so here's a here's a thought um, puzzle. I'm a little bit migrainey today, so language isn't great. I'll, I'll forget words and probably come out with a few malapropisms. I'm amazed I can say malapropisms today. <laughs> so that's all good. Um, yeah, sheet music is written in the language of music, and most of my songs also have English language titles etc and music has latin terms in it like glissando and all of those things so in a thousand years time will people know how to read it will people know what it is will archaeologists be able to pick up this folder turn the plastic sleeve and go, aha, it's Bach's Scarter and Fugue in D minor, 17th century Baroque. <laughs> you know? Or will they go, what the fuck is this? It's a manifesto. <laughs> I don't know. I think I've told that joke. Well, it's not even a joke. It's just um, such a cliche now in archaeology that if you don't know what it was, you say it was for ritual purposes. So I have these two folders of ritual pages writings just for me and the piano was amazing it was one that my dad bought from a farmer down the road for a hundred bucks and he and his mate Jimmy got it up in the back of an F100 ute and went to drive it to our house and I think Jimmy sat in the back of the ute and dad was driving which is odd because I think it was Jimmy's ute anyway um, they're slowly going along the road and apparently a carload of young women came up behind them as they were slow and Jimmy in the back flipped up the top of the piano and sat down and pretended to play. Um, gosh, if that doesn't say, say something about men, I don't know what does. But anyway, so the piano sat against the wall in our music room for years with no one touching it. And then when I was 13 and bored and I didn't have the internet because I'm old, I one day sat down and started to play. And I probably started with Mac the Knife or something, I don't know. But then I started getting my my brother's guitar magazines and I'd play the ones that I wanted to. And then I started chatting to friends at school about these things and we'd all start swapping sheet music. And I was just constantly looking for more. I remember Bach's Toccata and Fugue in D minor was the first CD I ever bought. My, my friend Duck, who I had a bit of a crush on, he was a few years older than me and we used to sit together on the bus on the way to school. He went to the high school and I went to the Catholic school. Oh, scandal. And so he introduced me to Bach. And, yeah, so I bought the CD and I thought, oh, this is amazing. And he had the sheet music, it's 13 pages. So he gave that to me, I photocopied it, and, and it's still one of my most prized possessions. So I used, I taught myself how to play it, I'd listen to the CD so I know what I should be sounding like, and then I would 
read it and, and give it my best go. And even to this day, it's one of those songs that I can sit down 30 years later and play from memory. And it's like my, my muscles have a memory of it. If I get to a point and I can't remember and I can't think and I can't read music anymore and I can't work it out, I just close my eyes and my hands just go over the over the keys and I'm like ah that's what it is and sometimes I open my eyes and fuck it up because I'm thinking yeah but so so I had this piano and it was an old Habsburg Beale and it was made in 1903 and it still maintained concert pitch which apparently is pretty odd for that I brought it up to Darwin when we moved here at Christmas 2001 and there aren't many pianos in Darwin because the tropics are a little bit unkind to them and in 2005 or 2006 I bought a business to run from home and I needed the space so I gave the piano away to a young family that couldn't afford one otherwise and felt like it was going to a good home but ever since then Phoebe and I have just missed that piano and sometimes we'll Google it, we'll, we'll look for a Habsburg Beal and there's one in the Powerhouse Museum collection in Sydney that I'm just tempted to go and see. Actually, that reminds me, I was working in the Museum and Art Gallery of the Northern Territory oh, more than 15 years ago and in their Territory History collection they have a whole bunch of things and there's a piano and you don't play it because you're not supposed to touch the objects without gloves or anything. So I'd never played it. But once I was in one of the collection storerooms with a guy called Rocky Lee, who's a Larrakia man here, and he picked up one of the didgeridoos and just played it. And I was horrified. I was like, oh, you can't touch the collection. But then I thought, it's his heritage. <laughs> it's his objects. So if he wants to play it, sure. Maybe the conservators would have said, hey, probably not a good idea to introduce saliva into a museum object. But yeah, there's that funny idea, isn't there, about what to do with objects and how to preserve them and care for them and remember them and keep them alive. So, yeah, and I do think objects have a life even if they're not a living thing. So I have complex thoughts on that and I, I don't know that I'm a fence-sitter but I don't think that I've ever come to a, a one-size-fits-all answer of what you can and can't do. So I never played the piano in the collection at the museum and I went for many years without a piano after we got rid of ours. I got rid of mine. And so then, oh, maybe six years ago, I saw on Facebook a friend of mine had a piano that was in his carport and he was moving house and he didn't want to take it. And I said, yes, I'll have it. I brought it home and it was awfully out of tune. Actually, I couldn't fit it in my house. I was in a share. I was in a bedroom in a share house at that point in time so it went to Phoebe's house and she looked after it for me and it was just it's got the most honky-tonk sound I have no idea what brand it is it's a German one of some sort very well made I think it's 1930s so not as old and it doesn't maintain concert pitch and like she lived in the carport for a while but it has a, a lovely sound for um, a bit of ragtime, a bit of honky-tonk, and I would love to learn to play um, blues and stride. Stride piano would just be 
awesome. But as it is, I think it's got like three years of filing sitting on the top of it. And um, yeah, a couple of boxes of things that I need to put away. So every year, my piano tuner comes up to Darwin from Tasmania. His name is Martin Tucker. If you have a look on Facebook on a page called Pianos Forever, I think, or even just Martin Tucker, piano tuning specialist. You'll see Martin, and he is incredible. Martin has done the music for this podcast, so he has an orphanage of pianos under his house in Tasmania. And so I asked him very nicely, would he please play some music that sounds chaotic and energetic but funky and clever and um, not of a particular culture just for this podcast and I love what he did I really really love it and he just did that off the top of his head so Martin comes up to Darwin every year he's on his way up at the moment he's in Alice Springs I think and having a lovely time but there's on the Pianos Forever page his girlfriend's made a documentary about him and it just really captures his his life and his love of people and pianos and I think that's what it is like I think music is a way of life and I don't think I live it these days it was my everything as a teenager like I used to play the piano two hours a day five hours a day on weekends not with any sort of discipline or or rigor it was just because I loved it and I wanted to and it was escape from everything else and it was it was me you know it was my thing and I used to think at the time remember how as a teenager you kind of like well if I had to lose my legs or my arms I'd prefer to lose my whatever I used to think if I had to lose my hearing or my sight I'd lose my sight first because if I lost my hearing I'd never hear music again and then I became a mum at 16 and that was the end of my piano playing for two hours a day on weekdays and five hours a day on weekends. You just don't have time for that when you're a mum. And so very occasionally I'd always go back and play the piano, but it hasn't become as big a part of my life. And now I've had this migraine for over three and a half years and noise sensitivity is one of the things. So I have to be in a really clear brain space to feel comfortable listening to music otherwise it's just noise and it's an assault on my senses so yeah it's it's important to me to keep those folders and to have a piano to have the the opportunity to connect with who I was before I became a mum I think that that line in the sand before and after who are you is is really important yeah so I guess that's probably <laughs> probably enough for chat today I think in the future archaeologists will know what a piano is um, they didn't exist a thousand years ago I should have looked up the world's oldest musical instrument before recording this today archaeologists have found it and again it's that thing about preservation it's not that you can dig up a 30 year old bone flute um, no that's not a euphemism but you can't dig it up and play it because that's offensive to the significance of the artifact and so experimental archaeologists do all of these 3d scans and 3d printing and and make a new one and actually did you know they have recreated they've done a 3d printing 
of the voice box of a Neanderthal. Don't quote me on that, but I think they have, <laughs> because then they pushed air through it, so you could hear the sound that this person would have made. And Neanderthals are people too. If dogs are people, Neanderthals are people. Of course they are. They're homo, homo Neanderthalensis. Yeah, so music has been a very human thing for tens of thousands of years. And I think they'll be able to figure out what a piano is. I'd like to think our languages will survive, even if in an archaic form, for the next thousand years, so that by then people could read and know that, ah, this is music. And you'd get those, like linguists that decode languages, what are they called? Where you've got the Rosetta Stone, thank God, which was the key to the three ancient languages in Egypt at the time. But, yeah, just... Um, there are ancient languages that we've found written and it takes people decades to figure them out and be able to read them. So, yeah, hopefully sheet music is one of those things and maybe <laughs> in a thousand years' time you'll get an experimental archaeologist recreating a piano and trying to play Sweet Child of Mine on that. That's lovely. Sweet Child of Mine is one of my meaningful songs of life it was one that I used to sing to Phoebe when she was a baby and she gave me tickets to Guns N' Roses for my 40th birthday we went and saw them live but also if you ever get the chance to see a musician called Sky Mead she was from Darwin she's now based in Sydney she does the most beautiful piano version of Sweet Child of Mine Beautiful, beautiful ballad, and she has the most stunning voice. Really, really beautiful. Yeah, so on that, with my not-so-stunning voice today, I think I'll leave it at that. I don't have anything to plug today because Darwin Fringe Festival that was supposed to go ahead this week has been cancelled due to COVID. And, yeah, there's, there's lots of things shifting at the moment. So... You can check it all out, caseymartinstone.com. Oh, I've added a tip jar right down the bottom of the website, down in the footer, because someone asked if they could swing me some cash and they didn't want to sign up to be a Patreon subscriber on a monthly basis. So, yeah, that tip jar down the bottom of caseymartinstone.com. You can um, connect to Patreon or PayPal, whichever you would like if you'd like to make a contribution. But really, really do appreciate you listening. Super appreciative to Great Australian Podcasts for putting me on their list of things to listen to this month. Really glad that the word is getting out here. So enjoy the rest of your week and I will catch you next time. Mm -hmm.